Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. We're happy to see you here. I'm glad that there's more than the 14 of the last email that I saw. So welcome here, and let's stand and sing together.
Good morning, everyone. It's uh, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As this went through my head, the first thing I woke up this morning, so 
that's been stuck there. Um, let's read the call to worship verse together this morning. Ascribe strength to God. His majesty is over Israel, and his strength is in the skies. O God, thou art awesome from his sanctuary. May God bless his reading. Um, oh, Charlie's going to have scripture. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. And we just pray that as we uh, gather together here to worship, and those who are watching and listening, we just pray that uh, it will be a blessing. It will speak to our hearts, and you, the message that you've given the pastor, and all the songs and things that are done this morning. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. I will be reading from Psalm 94. The Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked? How long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools. When will you become wise? Does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. You grant them relief from your days of trouble, tilt a pit is dug from the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on the righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against all evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death when I said my foot is slipping. Your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? A throne that brings on misery by its decrees, the wicked band together against the righteousness, and the condemned against innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. Thank you, Charlie. Very well done. Appreciate 
Let's just quiet our hearts for a moment before God and ask him to guide our thoughts as we look into this passage. Lord God, we come to church this morning and uh, we come to this part of the worship service where we look into your word and, and hear it being spoken. Uh, help us, Lord, to just take everything else out of our, out of our mind just for a bit just for the next half hour or so, just, just focus on what you are saying to us through this passage. Help us, Lord, to hear you speak to us. Help me, Lord, to speak it in a way that it would be you speaking to us. And may we, we receive the food and nourishment and, and challenge and teaching that uh, you have for us here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Any of you who are in the process of raising kids, you know that justice is an extremely important thing when you raise kids. <laughs> it's very important that you make everything fair. <laughs> the problem is what is fair to one child, another child feels totally unfair. <laughs> We're pretty much finished with that phase of raising kids, but I remember it quite well. Uh, that phrase, no fair, is pretty common. <laughs> you hear that a lot, at least we did. <laughs> I don't know if your parents don't get to or not, but how come I have to do the dishes and she doesn't? It's no fair. Why does she get all the easy chores and I get all the hard ones? It's no fair. <laughs> and so to try to make sure everything is fair, you make up charts and put them up on the fridge and make check marks and all those kind of stuff. But you realize that that doesn't solve the problem either. Uh, why do I have to do the dishes two weeks in a row? She didn't have to. Well, she was at camp last week. Well, that's no fair. And there's no way to convince them that in the long run it will work out pretty evenly. <laughs> but all the kids are pretty convinced that they're all getting shafted along the way here. <laughs> so we tell our kids quite often, Get used to it. Life isn't fair. <laughs> and that usually makes them more mad. So. <laughs> but, but that is true. Life is full of injustices. A lady just widowed was crying over a little urn that she was holding that held her late husband's ashes. She was holding this urn and she was crying and wailing. She, he was my fourth husband. And an elderly spinster lady was heard to remark, life just isn't fair. She's got husbands to burn and I can't even get one. <laughs> You'll get it in the wild line. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, life is full of injustices. And there are times when they get pretty serious. A lot more serious than whose turn it is to do the dishes. Uh, I'm sure every society on earth has them. Our society certainly does. We look at our justice system and we see at times there's not much justice. There are times when the victim of a crime gets worse treatment than the one who perpetrated the crime. And that isn't fair. It makes us mad when we see that happen, and, and rightfully so. We see people who we know are being dishonest or are defrauding somebody or some company or the government, 
but are good at covering their tracks, and so nothing can be proven. And they get away with it. Never seem to get caught. We know some people who are just jerks, plain and simple. They treat people badly, they're bullies, they lie, they gossip, they cause all into trouble, and seemingly get away with it. Never seeming to have to pay for their actions. Injustice, it's there. And that is the issue facing the writer of Psalm 94, which we just had read for us. And that's the issue that the psalmist in Psalm 94 is addressing. And that's what we're going to spend our time looking at this today. We aren't told who the author of this psalm is. Uh, we aren't giving any background information. All we know about the background of this psalm is what we can gather by reading the psalm itself. And as we read it, we see the psalmist is quite upset about the injustice that was going on around him. Wicked people persecuting the good people and seem to be getting away with it. And we're tempted as we read that to, to conclude that the writer of this psalm may have been the brunt or taken the brunt of some of that injustice. And the psalmist is wondering out loud to God, how long is this going to go on? And he's sounding kind of impatient about it. When is God going to do something to put a stop to this? And much of this psalm is a prayer to God to help him deal with his issue of injustice that he's seeing going on around him. It's a prayer for God to console him and to keep him on track spiritually as he works through this. And as we read this psalm, we see that this writer has some interesting things to say, which are relevant for us today as we deal with the injustice in our world, be it our personal world or in our society around us. So let's look at them. As Christians, we need to know how to deal with the injustices around us. And we can by studying the teachings presented to us in Psalm 94. So the first teaching that I see, at least see coming out of this is judgment and vengeance are God's job. Justice and vengeance are God's job. And, well, let's just start right at verse 1 and 2. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. And what struck me as I read that is the psalmist calls God a God of vengeance. That's how it comes out in my translation, a God of vengeance. And he's calling upon God to, to exercise that vengeance and to judge things and to bring some justice, to give those proud evildoers what they deserve, what they have coming. And then it goes on to verse Three and four, well, three through seven, actually, to explain himself a bit more fully. Uh, there's all this wickedness going on. There's arrogant speech. They crush God's people. They afflict them. They murder widows and strangers and orphans, and they get away with it. In fact, they kind of laughingly say, God obviously doesn't notice any of this, or if he does, he doesn't care. So there are those grave injustices going on, and the psalmist is calling on God the God of vengeance and judgment, to do something. That's an interesting concept. Calling God a God of vengeance and judgment. Is that an accurate picture of God? 
Or is the psalmist here just on a rant and just spewing off stuff? So I did a bit of study on where and how that word vengeance is used in the Bible and connected with God. And yeah, you have to include it. It is accurate to say that God is a God of vengeance. The Bible describes God as being a God of many things. He's a God of holiness. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of loving kindness. He's a God of justice. And yes, he's a God of vengeance. That's one of them. You especially see that as you read through the prophetic books of the Old Testament, Isaiah through Malachi. Uh, just one example. Uh, flip over to Isaiah 35, verse 4. It's just over a handful of pages. Isaiah 30, 35, verse 4. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come. But he will save you. And you see many statements like that in the writings of the prophets. So the psalmist here is accurate in saying that God is a God of vengeance. But when you think about that, and you think about the implications of that, if God is a God of vengeance, what does that I mean, that brings to us a very significant implication. If God is a God of vengeance, then that means that vengeance is God's job and not ours. Vengeance is God's job and not ours. In fact, that truth is brought out quite clearly in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Vengeance and revenge is God's job. Leave room for the vengeance, for the recompense of God, the Bible says. We need to let God do his job and not try to do his job for him. A couple of passages I want to look at here to, to show this. First, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. should do like we used to do in the old days, have sword drills. First person to find it gets to read it. <laughs> Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Vengeance is mine and retribution, God says. This is God speaking. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. So God says there, vengeance is mine and retribution. They'll get what's coming to them. And then to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Here we see the Apostle Paul developing this truth for us as Christians. Let's read it. 12, Romans 12, 17 to 21. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's a good way to get back at an enemy, isn't it? Would you love to burn, keep some burning coals on their head? Oh, I love that. Well, yeah, here's how you do it. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, for so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that is a mouthful. And the truth here is that vengeance and justice are God's job, not ours. When we deal with the injustice around us, particularly the injustice directed at us, we need to remember that. Vengeance is God's job. It's not ours. That means it's not up to me to make somebody pay for their sins. If someone deals unjustly with me, it's not up to me to make them pay for their crimes. Now, that doesn't mean I never, or I don't report a robbery, or I don't report a break-in, or whatever. But as far as getting even, or making that person pay for their sins, that's not my job. That's up to God. Obviously, as Christians, we are to stand up for truth and righteousness. We are to be a force in our society for justice. And, and Christians have been over the years. If you look at the major steps in Western society that we have taken over the last 500 years or so, from the abolition of slavery to fighting for the rights of the common person to fighting racism to all kinds of things, mostly it has been Christians who have led the fight for those changes. And we need to continue doing that. But when it comes to making individual people pay for their sins and get back at them and make them suffer to pay, no, that's not up to us. That's God's job. And that's, it's hard to do when you're suffering injustice, isn't it? When you have been wronged and you see the person who wronged you seemingly not suffering at all, that's, that's hard to take. You want to go out and make sure they suffer. <laughs> that's the sinful human nature in us talking. That's what you want to see. But it's obvious as we read this psalm that the psalmist, yeah, he's really upset about the injustices going on around him. But he recognized that God is a God of vengeance and he's asking God to deal with these injustices that he sees going on. So he leaves us a good example and a great truth. It wasn't the psalmist's job to make the evil pay. That was God's job. God's a God of vengeance. He wasn't. So he prays for God to deal with these evil people, and then he leaves it up to God. And that's what God is saying to us here. God tells us, leave it up to me. I'll take care of it. I'll make sure that person pays for what he does. As you look at that Romans 12 passage again, the action we are to take with that person is to pay back good for evil. You have an enemy, provide for his needs. Many times that will have a far better outcome and make that person suffer much more as they deal with the guilt of their conscience than if you do take revenge on your own shoulders and try to make him or her pay. 
problem with this is that we don't often see God make them pay. You know, it would be fine if God would just zap them good right then and there. We'd be good with that. If he did that, we'd be quite happy leaving it in God's hands. But he doesn't. He doesn't zap them then and there. And that is frustrating for us. I remember when we were pastoring in Montnebo, there was a, a couple there that was going through through a marriage breakup, and, and the husband was having an affair with the babysitter, and, and we were helping the wife deal with this. And, and that was one of the things she said. I remember it. This is stuff that's going on. And she said, and they're getting away with it. And he's going to leave me, and they're going to get together, and everybody will be happy, and they'll accept them, and they'll get away with it. That was a struggle that she was having. We need to remind ourselves of what we learned last Sunday. There's more to life than life on this earth. We need to take eternity into consideration. Just because that person did such horrible injustices, dies without ever paying, that doesn't mean he or she won't pay. Because after death, you meet the judge. You meet God after you die. And he will pass judgment. So that person will have to meet God at the judgment seat. We need to remember that. We need to keep eternity in our perspective here. And that brings us to the next point, number two. God certainly knows the evil going on and will deal with it. God certainly knows the evil going on and will deal with it. The psalmist expresses that truth in verses 8 through 11. When he stops to think, and he realizes who God is, and he realizes that being the God who he is, he certainly knows what's going on. Those who commit injustices may think that because they're getting away with it for the time being, that God doesn't know. Or if he does, he doesn't care. But that's not accurate. Let's read those verses, 8 through 11. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of a man that they are mere bread. So God not only sees what's going on and hears what people are saying, he also knows the thoughts that are going on inside a person's head. God sees and hears a lot more than we do. We see a lot, we're thinking. God's seeing even more. From that truth, the psalmist realized, verse 10, that God will deal with things. Friends, don't get the idea that because some people seem to be getting away with things, seem to be able to do bad things and not have to pay, that God is not getting there, or that God is not paying attention. Don't assume that. that somehow God doesn't know about it. God knows it all. In fact, he knows way more than you and I know. Put it. God designed an ear. He put it there. Don't you think he can hear? 
God designed the eye. He made it work. He knows how eyes work. He designed and put his head. Don't you think he can see? Obviously he can see. But he knows even more. He knows your thoughts. And we can be assured that he will deal with it. It may not be at the time we would like him to do it or in the way we would like him to do it, but he will deal with it and he will do it right. When all is said and done, all will be dealt with justly and fairly. And by the way, this is a very good reason to leave vengeance up to God. Because God knows the truth of the situation far better than we do. We think we know because we see what's going on and we hear what's going on. We think we know. But there is no way any of us can ever know the whole story. Including the thoughts and the motives that are going on behind the actions. Only God knows that. So because of that, we never have full knowledge. We never know the whole story. Because of that, we would never make accurate judgments. If vengeance was, was my job, and I was the one responsible to make people pay, it would be based on limited knowledge and skewed perspectives. Because I don't know the whole story. I never can. I don't know the thoughts and the motives going on in the background. But God does. So that's why vengeance is God's job. And not ours, because only God knows the whole story. So, knowing all of that, the psalmist says what he does in verses 14 through 23. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up for me against the evildoers? Who will take a stand for me against those who do weaknesses, do wickedness? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have soon dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolation delights my soul. Can a throne of destruction be allied with you? One which divides mischief by decree, they band themselves together like against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent man to death. But the Lord has been my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought back their wickedness upon them and will destroy them in their evil. The Lord will destroy them. So what the psalmist is saying is that in the meantime, in the meantime, while we're waiting for God to make things right, God will help us stay on an even keel. He will help us stay focused and balanced. He will console us if we're struggling with the hurt and the bitterness. When we're going through those anxiety attacks, God's consolation will be there. As we stay close to him, he will help us keep things in perspective. Because he will remind us that he knows what's going on. And he will deal with it. Nobody's going to get away with anything. In short, he will keep us aware that he certainly knows the evil going on and he will deal with it and we can rest secure in that knowledge. And thirdly and finally, 
need to be more concerned with our sins than the sins of others. We need to be more concerned with our sins than the sins of others. Back to verse 12. We skipped over that. Go back there, verse 12. And this whole thing of dealing with injustices, it's easy to get into the mindset of focusing on all the evil going on around us and the sins that person is committing and the other person is committing and why isn't anybody making them pay for their sins? And when we get into that mindset, we forget to look at ourselves. Because there's likely some people that are wondering the same thing about you or me. You see, when it comes to sin, we're all guilty. And it's easy to see the sins in someone else, but we need to realize that we have some sin in our lives as well. A guy named Cecil was taking art classes, and his first assignment was to sketch the San Luis Rey Mission in Oceanside, California. Everyone turned in a sketch, and the teacher began an oral critique of each student's work. When he came to Cecil's, he held it up and said, who's this figure in the doorway of the mission? And the Cecil, uh, Cecil replied, well, that's the Padre, sir. And the teacher said, well, don't you think your Padre looks a little sick? <laughs> Cecil responded, well, he could be. I'm, I'm an artist, not a doctor. <laughs> and we're kind of like that. <laughs> we can't see our own shortcomings. But God is the one that deals with sin. If he's the one that is in charge of vengeance and in charge of dealing with injustices. And when God takes it upon himself to make people pay for their sins, you and I are going to be included in that. We're going to have to pay for the, our sins just as well as the next person. And often, that's the way we grow. God has a purpose behind his vengeance. It isn't just God saying, boy, am I going to make you suffer for that, or I'm going to make that person suffer for that. No, God has a purpose in his vengeance, especially for the believer. God uses those consequences to bring about a repentance, and with that, growth in our maturity what the psalms is saying there in verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. The person who is interested in following God is blessed when God chastens or disciplines him or her. When God brings them through the consequences of their sin. That's a good thing. Because that person learns. When we are chastened for our sins and are paying some consequences, that is a learning and that's a refining process for us. And we come out of it a better person. And the same is true for the person who sins against you. So God uses those consequences to bring about a repentance and with that a growth in our maturity. I'd like you to turn over a few pages in Psalms to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 
couple of verses here that reinforces truth. Start at verse 67. Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. There was a time when I kind of strayed off here and there and all over the place. There was a time that was happened, but then I was afflicted. And it brought me back. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. Take a look at verse 69. 69 to 70. Just read it silently. Kind of talking about the same thing we're talking about in Psalm 94. Psalm 697, just read it silently in your own mind. Huh. Then verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Good for me that I was afflicted. There's nothing like affliction to drive us to God's word learn the truths of it, and make it a part of our lives. So, applying this, in this thing of dealing with injustices, we need to be more concerned with our sins, <laughs> and the sins in our lives, than the sins in other people's lives. It's really easy to see the sins in other people. That's very plain. That stands out so often. Injustices around us can be very concerning, and the evil we see people commit, that's very troubling. But if that's what we focus on, if we focus on other people's sins, we tend to ignore the sin in our own lives. We need that change of perspective. The sins in other people's lives are their problem, that's between them and God. God will deal with them in his way and in his time. That's what we saw through this whole thing. He has not given us the mandate to make other people pay for their sins. The sins in my life are what I can and should be concerned about. And together with God, work those things through. And allow the affliction and the consequences to root out those sins in our own lives. So therefore, we see from this psalm, some very good teaching on how to personally deal with the injustices around us. Especially when injustices are done to us. They are, number one, remember, God, judgment and vengeance are God's jobs. That's, that's not our job. While we stand for justice and truth and work to see that happens in our society, we should never take it on ourselves to personally make somebody pay and suffer for their sins. That's God's job. He'll take care of that. Number two. God certainly knows the evil going on, and he will deal with it. It may not be immediate. It may not be even be in this life. But he will deal with it. And when he does, it will be done right. And number three, we need to be more concerned about our own sins than the sins of others. When someone hurts us, or someone we love, can we 
we respond in line with these teachings? Let's take our moment of silence and just allow God to speak to us.
vengeance twice which is um, the only song we could think of that did but also to remind us that when God's justice and vengeance falls if we have Jesus um, he's faithful to save us from that and he took the cost of that vengeance You're my rock of freedom. 
couple of years ago, when my father-in-law Gary had his heart attack, I went through Psalms and I underlined every mention of steadfast love. And there's a lot. It's a really interesting exercise to do because then when you flip through Psalms, the whole thing is covered in red. God's love for us. And then all these last hymns, I mean Psalms, have all mentioned um, that God's our rock and our refuge. And so I think I'm going to go through Psalms again and underline that. But um, in saying that, we're going to sing once again, I take refuge in you.
tumors that are still there in his liver, and I pray that you would raise him back to full health and strength in the meantime for both Rocky and Lynn, and that uh, through this they would uh, see you and look to you and turn to you. Uh, come to understand the grace that you give and the strength that you give, and understand the truths of the gospel. And Lord, I just pray you bring us or somebody into their lives that could, that could share that with them and help them understand, and they would give their lives to you. Lord, you want to pray for this Marvin request for a little liver weston and uh, some kind of heart condition and uh, perhaps surgery required although we don't know that for sure but uh, Lord I pray you'd undertake and give the doctor the wisdom and that uh, and bring healing to him and raise him back to full health and strength and uh, that whatever procedure is done or whatever they do would be something that would be permanent and would fix the problem uh, for now on and not be multiple things down the road. Thank you Lord that you've given Colton a job in Saskatoon praise you for that Help him to grow into that job and uh, be a good fit for him. And uh, I also want to pray for Penny's sister. She's undergoing some health issues at this time, too, that are concerning for her. And she has some tests on Friday. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, just be with her as she undergoes those tests. And uh, Lord, how I pray that the test would reveal that there's nothing serious. And uh, Lord, she would just rest in you in the meantime and uh, be with the doctors and the people who run the tests that give them clarity as to what's exactly Lord, I pray for a quick recovery for Heather. Thank you, Lord, that she has recovered somewhat already and is able to be with us here this morning. Praise you for that. And I pray you continue to help her to, to get better. And she would, uh, the pain would be removed from her and she would uh, just be able to recover fully. Thank you, Lord, Larry, that uh, Blake was home for the weekend. That's a, uh, something we can praise you for. It's a blessing you've given. Thank you for that. And uh, Lord, you know, Larry's uh, concerned for his grandkids. Uh, a few of them are about that age. And others as well, not just his grandkids, but others as well around that uh, we all know and love. And they're in that age group where at school we need summer jobs, and uh, there's not a lot of jobs out there, and it's going to be a tough go. So, Lord, I just pray you grant the needs that they have. And uh, also, Lord, for Lyles, and how I pray, Lord, that you would uh, be with him as his health is deteriorating so severely and moving into a home. And I, I really pray you be close to him, help him, Lord, to uh, just stay close to you through this time, have good communion with you. Go with him and uh, help him, Lord, just no matter what's going on, just to be at peace that you are walking with him. Uh, and then, Lord, for those impacted by COVID, as Irene mentioned, uh, Lord, it, it's, it's not just the health concerns, it's the isolation, it's keeping people apart from loved ones. It's, it's hard, Lord, it's, and it's, it's been drawn out for so long, and, and it's hard to do that. And Lord, give us the wisdom and the guidance deal with that in a good way, give us the inner strength and the patience, and uh, Lord, may it all help us to rely more on you, and allow you to, to be there when we can't. And so Lord, we, we just, uh, yeah, we just, I'm not sure even how to pray about that, but Lord, you know the concern, and you know the frustrations we're all feeling, and Lord, just, just grant us your grace and wisdom. And Lord, we thank you, uh, at least for the promise of spring, that it's uh, warmer weather has come, and uh, that's good, and we know we're probably going to have more winter yet, but, but Lord, these warm days now are, are such a blessing. We praise you for that, and we know spring is around the corner, and uh, so Lord, that's something we're looking forward to, and we praise you for that blessing. Lord, it's been good to be here this morning, and as we uh, 
continue on. We just leave all these things in your hands and asking you to take it and do what you need to do. Because we know you will do what's right. We pray in your name. Amen. Larry. Yeah, we uh, will let you know every time that we are doing, uh, still doing our offering, which is over there, and that's why we are able to do it now. Um, let's just bow and thank the Lord for the blessings that he's given us. Lord, we just thank you once again for the material blessings that we get, you give us. And Lord, you also bless us in this country very rich spiritually, and we pray that as we if we get materially, we'll also realize that we need to uh, where we need to give our time and our talents and that to you as well in any area that we can. And we thank you for those that do. And uh, we just pray that you will bless these tithes and offerings as they're given to your house and your word, and to honor and glorify you and spread your name and your love to other people. We pray in your name. Amen. Um. The announcements, pretty much what you read there, and the annual meeting is highlighted, so we kind of already know all about that, and uh, people that aren't here can uh, can uh, know it from uh, times past when they've been coming, so it's an interesting time that we're living in. Um, is there anything else we need to add to this? Anybody got anything that they need to add to it? All right. Well, we'll uh, trivia quiz time. Okay, kids, this is for those 16 and under. I know some of you 16-year-olds maybe feel you're a little too cool for this, but little thing to help us all <laughs> focus on the sermon a little better. So here are the answers. So give your paper to somebody, some adult that you trust in this congregation, be it a parent or somebody beside you or whatever. Answer to number one, no fair. Number two, vengeance. Number three, it's God's job. Number four, you heap burning coals on their heads. Number five, the answer in that blank is thoughts. Those are thoughts. Uh, number six, the answer is our own. Number seven, kind of a twofold answer. You just need one to get it right. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, what's God's purpose and discipline us. Our, our repentance is one thing I mentioned. Another thing I mentioned is our growth and maturity. So what, either, either of those or both, you'll get, get a right answer for that. And question number eight, the answer is a resounding yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. So that was pretty easy today. So I think at age 10 and under, I think you'll need five, right, of the eight. And uh, 10 to 16, you'll need, or 11 to 16, you'll need eight, right? You need 100% to get a prize. Okay, let's... Uh, Close our worship service in prayer. Lord God, we want to thank you for allowing us to be here. 
been good. The fellowship with fellow believers, it's been good to unite our hearts in prayer. It's been good to sing your praises together. It's been good to hear your word together. All of it put together, Lord, I pray that we would have been fed in our hearts and souls and challenged and walk out of here stronger in you, walking closer to you, and at peace with our world and at peace with, with you taking care of us. So, Lord, give us a good week. Whatever comes into our lives, may we live according to what we heard here today. Just let us all your blessing. We pray in your name.